How do you say your name, by the way? So my name is Marcel Gautreaux. M so Marcel Gautreaux. Marcel just like that. Gautreaux, got it. Well, welcome to another episode of the Catholic Libertarian Movie Club. Talk about Star Wars. This is the final episode of the Star Wars series, and I have with me my guest, Marcel. Uh, Marcel, tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What's so I'm a PhD candidate in economics at George Mason University. Nice. Um, for the past few years, I've been a summer fellow at the Mises Institute. My main research interests are Austrian economics, of course, um, public choice, uh, institutions development, um, and then to a lesser extent, you know, foreign policy, uh, Middle East, former Soviet Union, and places like that. Uh, um, besides this, my dissertation is going to be on developmental states, so countries like Singapore, Taiwan, South Korea, and then other countries like um, Indonesia, Botswana, you know, countries that are on the up and up. Nice, nice. I'm uh, I'm getting my AA currently, but I'm planning to get a degree in economics once I finish the AA. So it's very, very cool, very cool. Um, so Star Wars. This, I I always ask everybody, what's your Star Wars story? How was the first time you heard about Star Wars? What's the first time you saw it? You know, what's the Star okay? Wars so the story? first time I had heard of Star Wars was when um, Episode Three had come out, and I was I must have been I guess. 10 years old at the time i can't remember exactly but i had this music teacher mr carroll and he loved it and he could play, he, he would play all the songs from it and when i saw the trailer for it i'm like oh, i need to know everything i can about it but i didn't really know about like an expanded universe all i did was i went what my parents would take me to borders all the time and i would just read any book i could get my hands on star wars on it um but i remember at the time i didn't really understand that general grievous and darth vader were not the same person even though i was you know i should have known better <laughs> but that was what got me into Star Wars. So I saw I saw it in the in a very weird order. I saw three, four, five, six, one, two, which is like an sort of an inverted machete order, right? Yeah. So I, I knew the twist straight from the start. Watch all the other stuff. I said, Oh, I should probably find out what Django Fett is. And that's how <laughs> I got to it. Kind of. I, that, might be, that might be the uh, weirdest Star Wars story I've had on here so far. <laughs> it's like going, I've never seen anyone go that out of order. Okay. Well, Let's talk, let's talk into it. Let's talk about the Clone Wars and the uh, CIS. So you said you had some things you want to talk about with the uh, – what does it stand for anyway, CIS? Like, the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Thank you. I, I always forget that. So yeah. I, I did a whole podcast actually earlier on the, why they, the right to get right to see and why they were probably in the right to do everything. But that's, Yes, so it's that's primarily my take as well. Well, uh, if, the, if the Confederacy yeah. weren't you know, fake, it would be it would be good. Although there's one very strange – it's unclear as to who knows what about the Confederacy in the Star Wars universe because we see that there's a, a separatist council which is run by you know, the Trade Federation, the Banking Clan, you know, the Commerce Guild, the Corporate Alliance, and all these other corporations. And mm -hmm. they clearly have the power of the executive. They're the ones who talk to Count Dooku. They talk to General Grievous or on Utapau. Anakin kills them. But there's never the Clone Wars – where uh, Ahsoka and Padme are like visiting a separatist parliament and Count Dooku has the role of prime minister. And when they want to negotiate and enter the war, um, one of the parliamentarians is like, oh, you know, the Trade Federation will never allow us to sue for peace. And then someone in the Confederate parliament says, unlike the Republic, we're not controlled by corporations. <laughs> I, I wish I knew. I wish I could get just a little bit more elaboration on what exactly people in the Confederacy think the confederacy is yeah right absolutely I, I i tried to look into it i looked into a bunch of books i went on like deep dives and saw what's wiki they never really dive into it like the most we get is that clone wars episode which is kind of mm -hmm. sad because like if people wanted to leave so bad it started the galactic civil war that led to everything going downhill so it's kind of you can't seem to be an important detail and then you never really bring it up 
Yes, I, I have to assume that the structure is there's the there's a separatist parliament, which is all the worlds that secede from the public join separatist parliament. Count Dooku is prime minister, and that's the legislature. And then there is the executive, which is you know all these corporations and the separatist council. I mean, these were I mean they're not in secret. I mean these were founding charter members. They were there on Geonosis. Everybody saw them. The Republic just says like Newt Gunray is a war criminal. He's like. If the Confederacy thought that that was propaganda, I don't know what they think the real truth is, right? <laughs> I mean, like the opening shot of the war was just on a secret droid factory there. Agreed. When it, so when it came to the uh, Confederacy, I actually, uh, I think the like, if you want to compare Galactic um, Confederacy to the uh, Republic, Confederacy mm -hmm. was a lot better because the soldiers they used were droids. I mean, lots yes. of life in comparison, like the droids, the clones. Yes, I think a lot of people sell the Republic short, especially in right-wing circles, because, you know, the, in Star Wars, the Republic is really a confederacy, and the confederacy is really a trade federation, and then the trade federation is just a, it's just a corporation. Actually, the Republic is a confederacy, the confederacy is a trade federation, and the trade federation is really a corporate alliance. Right. And that's the, the way it is, because in the Republic, we see that the, the central government has no, at least up until the Clone Wars. So up until the last you know three years of its existence, the Republic had no capacity to even levy taxes. Uh, it didn't have any kind of standing military. Um, you saw all sorts of different governments in the same place. So, you know, you had Padme Amidala, who's talking about how great democracy was, how great democracy is. I mean, Padme Amidala comes from basically uh, an apartheid monarchy where all the humans live on the surface and you have these Gungans who presumably are native. I mean, the Gungans have to be at least a little bit more native to Naboo than the humans are, right? Yeah. Who are living, you know, underwater, basically not allowed to live on the surface. Padme uplifts this one token onto into the Senate with disastrous consequences. And Padme's talking about, you know, oh, I, I just think we need to have a democratic form of government in the Republic. Like, you didn't have a democratic form of government for you. <laughs> but the, nobody in the Republic seems to care. Bail Organa doesn't seem to care. Nobody, everybody's just nice to Jar Jar, right? And we see that some planets are explicitly run by criminals. Some um, organizations, like outright corporations, have Senate representation. So this, the Galactic Republic was a very, very laissez-faire organization. Um, not as much as the Confederacy of Systems, of course, but in its way, it was pretty good. Man, it all got hijacked by one political... Uh, hold up. A gold guy is correct. Yes, Padme was... Was I mean she was naive, right? I mean she was she was fourteen years old. You just have to assume that Padme was like fed, just spoon fed this diet of like pure propaganda about how great Absolutely. the Naboo and elective monarchy was. <sighs> and then you know her parents weren't old enough to tell her you know about the Gungan situation. Yeah, I guess like the Republic. It's so. Well, we we watched all the stories, all the Star Wars movies before I did all the podcasts. I kind of like reassessed the politics of it all, and uh, I got to say. My one of my critiques of the whole um, Anakin's fall to the dark side is the incentives that Palpatine gives them are not the best incentives. It's like, yeah, you could say you're right, that's good. He could a much better one would have been, hey, the Republic still let slavery happen. I won't let that happen. You know? Yes. I would have been a much better. Uh, hey, uh, your mom died because I did. I didn't do anything. They knew your mom was here, and they never came back for her. They just left her. Like, there's a much better incentive structure for them to turn on Anakin. So, so, hey, Republic doesn't actually succeed. You know, it just kind of gets, it's there and it gets worse. And instead of this, yeah, it, George Lucas, uh, as Scott Holt and I talk about it all, and George Lucas uh, was apparently like, 
originally it was gonna be like, yeah, this is a civil war or some of the Vietnam War. And then he's like, oh, that's too politicized. So we unpoliticize it. And then we politicize it was only showing the good guys and bad guys. Very simple. And it kind of like you get all over the place. Was it like, well, who's the good guys and the bad guys? Because it's like you have three layers, like the kid layer, the layer he wanted, and then the actual layer it ended up being. Yeah. Although, so obviously we as the viewers know why, but <laughs> if Palpatine were to make too much of a big deal about it, a question Annika could easily ask is, you know, um, Palpatine, we have been, you know, you've been watching my career with great interest since <laughs> Naboo uh, up until my mom died. I've been talking to you this whole time. You could have paid to spring my mom out. Now we know why Palpatine didn't spring Anakin's mom, but Anakin could just act, like, I feel like, you know, Palpatine's been like worried about bringing it up too much, right? Mm. Actually, we even see um, in the Plagueis novel that like, you know, part of the reason that there's even like a whole podcasting business on Naboo is also Palpatine's fault. So Palpatine has business contacts in Naboo. Mm. And if Anakin were to think even just a little bit too hard about the businesses he's seen around on, uh, sorry, not on Naboo, on Tatooine rather. Mm -hmm. If Anakin were to think of it a little bit about, you know, some of the things you've seen on Tatooine is like, you know, who funded this? Like, oh, right, Damask, uh, Damask Holdings. Like, mm -hmm. Palpatine, you used to work with Damask <laughs> Holdings, didn't you? Think, think, thankfully for Palpatine, Anakin was really dumb. Yes. Like, and I think that was, a, who was it? There's a guy who wrote a book about Star Wars. But he was the best like, Star pilot in the galaxy. Yes. He was a cunning warrior. Okay, I think I question now. Uh, best Star Pilots in Star Wars. Because I wink it as Anakin, Luke, Han, Luke, Poe. Oh, this is something that I, I don't know much about. Like, I mean, I guess I just talk about the movies and what I see in, sort of, in terms of uh, star piloting achievements. And sure, I guess Anakin has like the most impressive feats, both as himself and as Vader. And then Poe, to my knowledge, is the first one we ever see doing a Tokyo Drift in an X-Wing. So I'll put him in second that place. That was the coolest thing ever, man. I, I, I saw that in the trailer. I blew my mind. I was like... <gasps> Yes, in its way, in its way, the last Jedi started off on like a very high note with that maneuver, and then it was just a, yeah, a dip. And then who are the other choices? Oh, and then Antilles. Uh, I guess we see Antilles in the Rebel show, but I never watched the Rebel show. So I, I, I've I seen all the movies. I watched Clone so Wars. I have tried so hard to watch it, and I there are episodes that are really good. Like they have an episode of Ahsoka and Darth Vader, and it's. Really good. Yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen some of the like, yeah. oh, you got to see this Rebel episode, but I haven't seen That's all. Pretty much the only way to watch it is just find a good episode, like once every two seasons, and then this. <sighs> so back to the uh, CSR, C, C, CIS, CIS. How is it? I keep again. I'm going to probably call it CIA two more times during the podcast. Hmm. <laughs> um, there was the there was banking clan. There was yes. the uh, trade federation. Newt Gun New Gunway was he the uh, yeah? So was there was Newt Gunray, who's vice of the Trade Federation. Let's so, I was going to look it up, but I'm going to see if I can just do it from memory. So it's Newt Gunray, vice of the Trade Federation. There's Poggle the Lesser, who is um, the um, Poggle the Lesser is Archduke of something, not of Geonosis, but of I think Bactoid Combat Automata. There's Shumai, uh, the chairwoman of the Commerce Guild. There's San Hill, chairman of the Intergalactic Banking Clan. Uh, who runs the corporate alliance? I don't know who runs the corporate alliance. There's Watt Tambor, chairman of the Techno Union, uh, Techno Union Commerce Guild, Intergalactic Banking Clan, Trade Federation, whatever it is that uh, the Genosians are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, those are like the big five, but there are plenty of others. And now I'm gonna, oh, Rune Hako. Oh, no, Rune Hako was um, just another Neomoidian. <laughs> that was one I could have named. I, I, I was 
flew on the way after a banking clan. Ah, Paso Largente was a magistrate of the comp of the corporate alliance. That's where it is. Nice. And then Paul the Lesser is Archduke of the Stelgassen Hive. So yeah. And then two that neither of us would have gotten were Ponudo, who ran the Hyper Communications Cartel, and then Tikas, who ran the Quarren Isolation League. Hmm. Now, one thing I liked about the Clone Wars was there were a lot of players that were kind of up for grabs who weren't a part of either one. There were independent star systems. Like there was Mandalore, there was, um, what was it? What is that, that, that Prince guy, Savard's uh, the Yeah. You all good with names. <laughs> yeah. I am. Alderaan was in um, Knights of the Old Republic. So, if you ever play Kotor two, uh, I think like I played, I played nineteen. I played it once when I was like ten. I played nineteen. First one, I played the uh, online multiplayer game. I need to go back and replay the second one because I, it looks it was it's in the game we made on a PS four or something or PS five. Something like this, yeah. But yeah, one fifth of Kotor two takes place on Onderon. It's a whole in that game. Uh, there's like this um, guy who wants to take over Onderon and have it secede from the Republic. That's a dark side option, of course. <laughs> Course. So I, I kind of mentally I had that in my head. <laughs> mm. There was another <sighs> thing I wanted to say about Andor. Oh yeah, the idea I always found that a weird concept in um in Star. Well, I guess it just speaks to how decentralized the Republic is. But for those of us who live in the age of modern nation states, the idea that your country has a civil war and then different you know constituent parts of it are like declaring neutrality in it is like, what does that mean? Are you paying taxes or not? Are you supplying troop levies or not? You know, Mandalore saying we're in the Republic, but we're not taking sides. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, we're yeah. passing laws, right? Like, okay, we're levying a tax on all plans. So are you going to pay that tax or are you not going to pay that tax? We're going to pay, but we're just going to pay it under duress or something. Yeah, pay it under duress. Hmm. Speaking of Clone Wars and other Star Wars cartoons, have you seen any of our Star Wars Visions yet? The anime Star Wars one? Visions? No, I haven't watched any of it. No. Oh, dude, you got to check it out. The first episode is. Like, do you know how Star Wars was inspired by old Kawasawa films yes, from Japan? So it's related because it's, it's a Kawasawa-style anime. And so mm -hmm. it's a, it's a Kawasawa-inspired, Star Wars-inspired, which is inspired by Kawasawa. So it's like three layers of an inspiration true. And so it's like the most Japanese Star Wars. It's a wandering ronin who saves a, a small village from a gang of bandits with a lightsaber. It's so, so... Kawasawa movie-esque and so Star Wars, it's absolutely incredible. Okay. And I think it's like Start 16 it minutes long. I can't recommend it enough. <sighs> so, how do you rank the Star Wars films? Like, what, what's your, I, I have to ever guess this. How do you rank oh. the Star Wars movies? Oh, I haven't done this on thing in a while. So, <laughs> my favorite is um, episode three. Right? It's the one I started with. Solid I enjoyed it the most. Uh, I would say my least favorite might be Return of the Jedi. Um, I think there, there's a sequel fatigue. And then I guess in between them... Okay, I would say, okay. From top to bottom, I think it's going to go three, five, four, two, one, six. I can't believe it plays in six at the bottom. It like... wasn't good. But you're gonna put episode one above it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I enjoy I enjoyed episode one in, in its way. Granted, I've you know I've only seen it like you know three times. Mm. But you know, if we really think about the plot of episode six, it, it was very cheesy. Like I don't know why I don't know why it is that we will like uh, uh, we'll we'll never forgive George Lucas for the Gungans, but we forgive the Ewoks. 
Right. You know, we, you know, Jar Jar's Jar Jar's contribution was ultimately maybe like ten lines and some dumb visual gags, like with his tongue in in, in, in a in a pod racing thing. Meanwhile, you know, we had to we had to suffer through a full sequence of the Ewoks like bopping stormtroopers on the heads with rocks, right, and the, like crushing ATSTs with a log. Okay, I guess that is fail. But see, for me, I, I went get um five, three, six, Rogue One. That's my top. Four oh, I didn't even think about where I put Rogue, Rogue One there. Okay. Um, hmm. I'd say I put Rogue One um, right below four. Mm. See, I, those to me does the same movie because I can't watch one once I watch the other. Like every, every, every time I go to play episode four, one, I'm like, I have to put Rogue One in first. Mm-hmm. That's just... <sighs> I kind of um, wish I'd seen your thing on, on episode two because I have a lot of thoughts on episode two. Actually, so th- I'm guessing Phil Bishop was the one who told you that I know a lot about Star Wars. And yes. the thing that I talked to him about was how episode two had the makings of a great movie. Like George Lucas wrote a great plot and then halfway through just realized that he wrote himself into a corner and then made this like basically two line item changes that made it sort of it made the broader Star Wars narrative make sense, but it caused the movie not to make sense. Mm. So this is a good time as any. I'm just going to. Explain what it is. Go into it. So you have episode two, and the plot of this is Padme. So war, or no? What is it? Uh, uh, the Republic in flames, right? Uh, the the planets are seceding from the Republic, led by the charismatic Count Dooku, and everybody thinks Count Dooku is just this normal political, you know, just a you're you're one of the middle political idealists. And so there are elements in the Republic that want to raise an army, and the purpose of that army is to d- stop Count Dooku, it's to fight the Confederacy and bring them to heal. All right, and Padme is basically a copperhead, right? Because she's still in the Republic, but she uh, doesn't want to raise an army to stop Count Dooku. So she lands on Coruscant to go vote against the army. Her thing gets blown up, and then she's like, I know who's behind this. I think it's Count Dooku. And the reason this has to be that we have to be put on the tail of Count Dooku is because if Padme doesn't say it's Count Dooku, then you wouldn't even need Obi-Wan's little detective work thing going on. Just basic common sense would tell any person that someone in the Republic is behind this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, uh, Django Fett sends uh, Zam Wessel, who sends a robot, who sends some eels or worms or yeah. whatever to, you know, so have... they, they trace it back, they get to Django, and it's like, okay, you know, uh, Django Fett, okay, Zam Wessel's tried to kill Padme, who's voting against the army. So, okay, we're going to go find Django Fett. Uh, he shows uh, Obi-Wan shows up in Kamino. It's like, ah, oh, Master Kenobi, I see you're here for the army, the army that Padme was here to vote against. Uh, it, he, it's, it already exists. Here it is. And it's like, wow. So the army that Padme was going to vote against turns out already exists and we're on the hook for it no matter what. So uh, who's who's the, uh, who's the template for these clones? It's like, oh, it's Django Fett. Django Fett? Django Fett, you're the guys being paid for these clones that already exist and we got to pay for, and you're trying to kill the woman who's voting against this clone army? Wow, Count Dooku's behind this, right? No reason at all to think this, right? And so if you just investigate it a little further, right, and then for some God knows what reason, you know, Django Fett flees to Geonosis, and then, you know, just Obi-Wan sees Django Fett talking to Count Dooku, and it's like, wow. So the guy who's being paid to be the basis of the clone army and tried to kill the senator voting against the clone army was working for Count Dooku all along. Case closed, right? Total stupidity. But if they didn't just have, you know, like like um, like Fred and a pup named Scooby-Doo, like, you know who's behind this? Count Dooku, right? At every turn, Palpatine's plan just unravels immediately. Mm-hmm. That makes, makes absolute sense. I, 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 Attack of the Clones, if it wasn't for 
the whole Anakin Padme scenes, I think it's a pretty solid movie. I think Obi-Wan's investigation, I think the ending battle scene. I mean, the ending battle scene, not the Indian lightsaber fight, because I think hmm. the Obi-Wan, uh, Anakin, Dooku fight is really dumb because they're just like waving lights in their face and not actually. Oh, yeah, that was the other, that was the other bit of like strange amnesia that hit in Attack of the Clones. So when Count Dooku was running away and um, Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan are on that ship, did you guys know that Attack of the Clones didn't make perfect sense? But I, I, this this grinds me each time I watch it. So they're on the they're on that gunship and they're chasing Count Dooku and then Padme falls out and Padme and Anakin's like, oh my god, I have to go protect Padme. And then Obi Wan says, no, Anakin, you have to focus on the mission. This makes no sense. Anakin's not supposed to be on Geonosis. The only reason Anakin is on Geonosis is because Obi Wan got captured. Right. Padme didn't want to like leave him to be killed by Geonosian. So she said, okay, Anakin, if your job is just to follow me wherever I go, then I'm going to Geonosis. And so suddenly once Padme rescues Obi-Wan and she's on Geonosis and then she falls out, Anakin's like, all right, I'm going to go stick with my job, which is protecting <laughs> Padme. And Obi-Wan's like, protecting Padme is not your job. Your job is to like hunt down Count Dooku. No, Obi-Wan. Literally That's you, job. Palpatine. Uh, the Jedi Council, literally every authority figure in the Republic has told me that, in fact, my job, in the clearest of terms, is not to hunt down Count Dooku. <sighs> Obi-Wan Kenobi was so dumb in that movie. All the other ones, he's like a great character, and he's small, and he's really cool. But in Clone Wars, it's just like, you... first of all, the fact that the Republic still used the clone army, you act like all the red flags right there. No, no. It, what happens, like, there's an imp called George Lucas sort of sitting on his shoulder, whispering things into his ear to make, like, the, listen, Obi-Wan, the plot needs to go a certain way here, so you got to do something that's really dumb right now. Imagine <sighs> I mean, I how good these movies would have been if George Lucas, like, had no, like, if he only stuck to the good ideas. Like, he has so many good ideas. And he's all, he, like, he's his own worst enemy. He undercuts yes. himself every chance he gets it. Like. It's like he doesn't want to succeed. Episode one was George Lucas's pure, unfiltered vision. That's what everybody needs to understand. You know, episodes four or five, like four was kind of his vision, but he had like two other writers. Mm -hmm. Five and six. Uh, who was it Universal at the time? I, I can't say for sure. But whoever they were, they had like they they, they were had their eye on it because you know this great product. But then when Phantom Menace came out, it was like George just said, I want total creative control. And it's like, awesome, George. I guess if we have to do that, we have to do that. What do you want a movie to be about? And he's like, tax disputes. Tax <laughs> disputes in the outlying systems. So just do it. Yeah, do it. Uh, see. I enjoyed see, it. I mean, it, it was better world building than anything else had, right? I, you know, I, we I, didn't I, actually, I, if you were, if you, most of, most of what we think of in the Star Wars world did not come from the original trilogy. It was either, you know, you know, a few throwaway lines in four, five, and six, which barely gave us anything, or expanded universe stuff, you know, and just any random guys. Like, I have a Star Wars idea. Like, Coruscant? Coruscant wasn't George Lucas's idea. Coruscant disappeared in, like, in one book. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, the capital of the Empire, it's a, it's a planet, and the whole planet is a city, and it's called Coruscant. And then episode one, George Lucas was like, that's a... Perfect. Yes, that's, that's canon yeah. now. And so that was all we had. And then George Lucas says, okay, fine. You want world building? Here's world building, right? An hour, an hour of just talking about, you know, okay, here's a Senate, here's a chancellor, here's, here's a bunch of senators. They all come from this world. And in that movie, we, we saw senators and like a bunch of senators got like one line so we could see their personalities, mm -hmm. right? Like this guy's um, Orn Frita. He's fat and he has like Twilight. <laughs> you know how, you know how Jabba the Hutt 
was fat and he had Twilight prostitutes. Well, the literal senator from uh, wherever this Twilight's come from, he's also fat and he also has Twilight prostitutes. So if anybody was wondering, yes, the entire race is just pimps and pimps and whores. That's the Twilight. George when, Lucas when gave we, that to us. When do we leave? When do we leave? What planet Twilight think... come from? Ryloth. Ryloth. Do you, do you think uh, is it Ryloth the slave plan they go to in the Clone Wars series? No, that, uh, that's um. What one is it? It's. Oh, oh, I got to look it up now. Hold on, it's gonna bug don't me. Tell me. Zygaria. I just entered and. Um, click it. It. I had the wrong. I had the wrong wiki page. Um. The audience is gonna like look at this timestamp and like, wow, look at how excited Marcel is to be right about what planet it is. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh Star Wars. Where is the planet? Uh yep. Zygaria. Zygaria, you got it. Yeah, they all had these Russian accents, I remember. Or I think they were Russian accents. And uh the whole thing was like they lived in pyramids. <laughs> Because slaves built the pyramids, and you know they had like electro whips, and those electro whips could stop lightsabers. That was <sighs> not. This is a question I asked once everyone I had on podcast. Do you think if George Lucas wrote episode seven, eight, and nine, they would have been better than what we got? Oh, certainly. Uh, George Lucas would have at least had a plot in mind. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it came out that nobody had a, like episode seven, eight, nine. Each time they only wrote just out to one movie and they were just leaving it for the next guy. Um, there are a lot of ways that even with what we had in episode seven, hell, even if you, if you, if you, if episode seven is taken as it is, and then you just said, okay, here are like the important plot lines in eight and nine. It's like, so Palpatine is a clone or, or Snoke is whatever. Palpatine, Ray is, is Palpatine's granddaughter and Palpatine's still alive. And this is the other, you know, there's still a plot to be made there. Um, one idea I had, and I'm not saying this is like the best, I'm sure you can have critiques of it, but like you can just have it where um, Ray is a Palpatine clone and the Empire is trying to do like a boys from Brazil kind of thing where they're trying to create this Palpatine clone sleeper agent and Ray doesn't realize that she's been programmed. And the reason that episode seven was so much like episode four was because Imperial remnants were literally plotting her life from the beginning where they're like, okay, we're going to make like a dark chosen one with Palpatine's DNA and Luke's upbringing, and then she's gonna fall to the, and then like Atticus falls to the dark side. So what's like the first thing that this, our hero needs? Like she needs to be raised on like a sandy shithole. That's like step one. <laughs> um, Anakin had friends and a mom growing up. None of that for her. She's gonna be a pure orphan. Uh, what else does she need? Well, I guess she needs to, how did Luke gain the trust of the rebellion? He blew up the Death Star, didn't he? It's like, all right guys, we're gonna build an even bigger Death Star so she can blow it up and become an even bigger hero to the to to, to the resistance, right? And um, you know, they capture her and it's like, all right, but instead of how did how did how did Leia escape that time? And it's like, oh, um, you know, Luke bailed her out. None of that. She's gonna mind trick the guard, right? <laughs> Just let her out. You know, there's a lot of things you can do there that are that more would, interesting that, than what we have. That'd be a way better ending, honestly. Like because you could you could either end it A, she goes evil. And Kylo Ren turns good, which would be great. Or she goes evil, and then she rejects the program and turns good, turns good anyway. Yeah, I mean, that would be the common way you do it. Yeah, Star Wars is not a cynical terrible. series, right? Star Wars yeah. is a very idealistic series. Well, it kind of was in the end because they were like, we got to deconstruct it, leave the past behind. But, you know, at the end of this, like, yeah, obviously, Ray should reject yeah. the programming, turn good. It's like, you know, yeah. oh, you're more than what your legacy is, right? Because 
hell, look, you're deconstructing Star Wars, right? The first two trilogies were like, you know, everybody has a destiny and you are what you're made to be. And Anakin had this moment of choice, but turns out that like Anakin had a destiny, but he had like a super secret double destiny to be the chosen one. <laughs> and then Rey is like, okay, now Rey, your destiny though is like to be Palpatine's like double Manchurian candidate in the resistance. And then Rey is like, I'm rejecting the premise of Star Wars, right? The premise of Star Wars is that, you know, being a Jedi comes through the blood and I'm a Jedi like my father before me. It's like, well, if Anakin's a Jedi, if Luke is a Jedi like his father before him, then Rey, you're going to be a Sith. And then Rey's like, no, I'm, I'm deconstructing the narrative. I, I, I can be whatever. What was it? Uh, like Iron Giant, right? I am who I choose to be and I choose to be a Jedi. Fuck. Well, See? Way better than whatever it was we got. Wait, or a quote from, uh, I reject your reality and substitute my own. What's this yeah. from? Uh, I, I think I, I don't know what it's from, but I got it from SAO Woods because I that's the only thing I watched. <laughs> <sighs> um, sadly, we are running out of time. Normally, I try to give them more time for it, but today's been very hectic and all and over that's the place. That's why I have so. to be on and spend 25 minutes talking about Star Wars. Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, before we go, let me ask you uh, two more questions. Sure. Favorite Star Wars character? Um, so my favorite character is probably going to be Tarkin, but mm -hmm. if I were to say which character do I feel most similar to, it might be, uh, Admiral Conan Mati. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data gate <laughs> or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebel's hidden fortress. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And second question. What lightsaber color would you want if you were a Jedi or Sith? Um, tough. I guess I'll just go with standard blue. Blue? Not bad. I I, I go green myself. More because I think my favorite my favorite fictional character of all time is Luke Skywalker. Like if I went fictional character, Luke Skywalker is right up there. Which is why I can't hate Episode Six because it is the completion of Luke Skywalker's story. And then the seven and nine ruin his character arc and. Ugh. I, I get so mad about that, man. They they took, they took, they took the best character, and they, in my opinion, they ruined the story arc. It, yes. Well, they ruined it without explanation. It yeah. is really the thing that they didn't even, you know, like Luke Skywalker just fell to pieces over like a bad day. You know, oh, one of my one of my students turned evil. Is like, well, I guess the entire idea of of, of I mean, do you know? In, in the EU, we see that the, the Darth Bane's Order of the Sith is way more fragile than the Jedi Order ever was. You see plenty of times where, you know, the occasional Dark Lord decides they want to be good or they die and they're just like pulling from the Jedi. Mm -hmm. You know, it may seem like the Sith had it all under control, but they really didn't. They were kind of flying by the seat of their pants at all times. You know, for Luke to just lose faith just because one Jedi turned evil, like, dude, they do this constantly. Literally, wow. Obi-Wan's, one of, like, two of Obi-Wan's classmates turned evil, right? Uh, yeah. The guy was called Xanatos, I think. And he was like Qui-Gon's first apprentice. And then he turned evil. And I don't remember how that plot line went, but it happens to there all was of some, them. There was some solid... I, I'm trying to book series it's called, but it was like an Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, Qui-Gon Zinn series, you know? The yeah. book series about... Yeah, solid book series. Like really... Uh, so many good books and are no, no, no longer canon. And it's like, you're fun to read, but it's just like... Maybe that's the reason Luke was so easily disappointed by the Jedi. It was because he just had Obi-Wan teaching him and Obi-Wan has like a really stunted view of what Jedi are like because he was, you know, shunted into knighthood pretty early and Obi-Wan's idea, like, you know, he had Anakin Skywalker and that's just going to make your development abnormal. So when Obi-Wan was like, okay, Luke, here's what the Jedi are like. But then again, Obi-Wan could only tell Luke like maybe like 
10 sentences about what Jedi are like. He's like, is your mm -hmm. father's lightsaber? Peace and justice in the Old Republic. And then, you know, they were on the ship. He's like, you know, they use the force. Uh, and then he died. Mm -hmm. Run, Luke, run. So yeah. maybe not. There's no excuse. Oh, just Yoda. No. Get it. Obi-Wan and Yoda were his only two contact with Jedi. So he had no idea that actually the Jedi are supposed, this, these things just happen. Dude, right? dude, Turnover rate, 5%. Yeah. When, they, when the Obi-Wan Kenobi show comes out with Ian McGregor, Mm -hmm. It's gonna be good. I can, I can, I can just, I can feel it in my bones. It's gonna be. I hope so. I, I wish I could share your enthusiasm, but I, Man, I've come to believe what, that Disney doesn't want to give me good things. With the success of Mandalorian and having one of my favorite episodes, having the same director for that series, that's where my confidence is. Because like Dave Filoni is like Kevin, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kathleen Kennedy is not involved, and Dave Filoni is more involved than she is, and that's where my my face is. The Dave Filoni, not Dave Filoni, uh, John Favreau. You ever watch a, a YouTuber called Overlord DVD? I've not. Okay, so I think he calls himself also Almighty Doomcock, but he used to basically be like <laughs> QAnon for uh, Lucasfilm. Like he was basically, his channel is what I imagine politics will be like in Ancapistan because he was just talking about like, you know, yeah, you know, Dave Filoni has like secret indictments and like Kathleen Kennedy's on the way out and there's like a corporate coup d'etat being planned to... Right. What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Ob uh, Overlord DVD. You'll see him. He has like this Ooh. silver mask. And when I first watched his things, like, you know, months ago, months ago, he was saying, like, you know, yeah, they're going to make the sequels not canon. Ahsoka's <laughs> going to use the world between the Force, and she's going to kill Palpatine as soon as he steps out and Return of the Jedi and stop. I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. And then I watched it. Wait, wait a minute. This is QAnon. You're hitting me with secret indictments and, you know, uh, 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 white hats and black hats, but not in the U.S. government, but in Lucasfilm <laughs> itself. Like, yeah, there's two factions inside Lucasfilm. And they're gonna they're gonna liberate is, Star Wars and destroy the wokeness. I'm like, wow! I'm gonna, I'm gonna get so high tonight. I'm gonna watch it all. That's my, <laughs> that's my plan tonight. Now, what to watch? Overlord DVDs, like Q posting. Yeah, do it. That's gonna, uh, my, my Twitter tonight's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna live tweet the whole thing. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, and he, would, I mean, he would do it every week. Like, I have a source inside Lucasfilm, and he's, he tells me that people are seething at Kathleen Kennedy, that Gina Carano hasn't actually been fired, but that Dave Filoni and and John Favreau have like all, have her on retainer, and that's why you know she's getting the Emmy awards, and she'll be back in the next season once Kathleen Kennedy is replaced. It's like, wow, stop. It's QAnon, stop. Go, yeah, it's QAnon. Go cut some grass. <laughs> But you know, when there's no government, right? When they're when it's in Kapistan, that's what it's going to be. We're just going to be we're just yeah. going to be conspiracy theorizing about like just corporate internal business. We're still going to be bitching about Cato versus Mises every single day. We're going to be like, I have a leak inside Cato. When it's trying to bring back the government. Yeah, da <laughs> David Bowes' days are numbered. <laughs> oh, it's good. I can't. Fingers crossed, man. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, well, Marcel has been great. Where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anarchy and Black. That's the main. I say it's the only place. If you're watching me here, you just go on Twitter at Anarchy in Black. One yeah, word. Anarchy in Black. Got it. Well, guys, another episode of the Catholic Libertarian Movie Club. <laughs> May the force be with you. Oh crap! I, I didn't have my intro. Here it is. I didn't have. I tried I didn't have the extra. Uh, extra. May the force be with your spirit. May the force. There you go.